Welcome to the Conscious Fire Culture. We give you direct access to healers, practitioners, and shamans as we explore alternative medicine for wildland firefighters. The mission is to break the stigma of mental health in wildland fire and lower the suicide rates. Our intention is to guide you through a transformation that creates a ripple effect in our community. Welcome. I'm so excited you've made it. All right, check this out. Mountain Mind Tricks and the Wildland Wellness Foundation are coming together for this amazing collaboration. This is going to be the most powerful thing to come to the Wildland Fire community in a long time, I think. And that is, you know, master plant ceremonies mixed with holistic medicine, with acupuncture, chiropractors, so the breakthrough session, all these things coming into one to support you, the wildland firefighter, to help you regain your mental health, your physical health, and get back to peak performance as soon as possible. Because when we work with master plants and essential oils and acupuncture and chiropractic and mental emotional release, when we put all these together, it is a powerful transformational experience that really it's it's beyond words because once you're touched by the divine once you're in touch with that healing energy of the universe with that innate power for you to heal yourself there's no stopping it it's like a runaway train it's like you're gonna start healing you're gonna have a transformation that has this ripple effect that goes beyond just you and your family but to your crew to your fire station to your you know your workstation to your forest to your region to the community and really what we want to do is is give you the most amazing ceremonial experience and back that up with the integration how do you take those experiences and come back to 3d reality and implement them implement those lessons those realizations that are so deep and profound that your entire life changes how do you integrate those you know one of my great mentors once told me it's like you get a puzzle and all the pieces are all spread out but then you get to start putting that puzzle back together into a new way a new possibility a new way of being and that's that's what the foundation is working on you know the first retreat is the end of january of 2022 and if that's interesting to you i want you to go to the wildlandwellnessfoundation.com check that out and just schedule a call with melissa and See if it's a good fit. Again, that's wildlandwellnessfoundation.com. The foundation of Mountain Mind Tricks is the breakthrough sessions for wildland firefighters. And it's one of the most rewarding things I've ever done in my entire life is to guide somebody through an awakening experience, remembering that they have the power to heal and giving them the tools to release the anger, sadness, fear, hurt, and guilt from their past, and to truly release it, to let it go. And when I see these transformations in my clients, it's like night and day. There's before the breakthrough session, and then there's after. And there's just so many times that their transformation touches me that I, I cry. Like it, it's so powerful and joyful to see that transformation inside them. And and there's there's so many modalities out there. There is acupuncture and traditional therapy and plant medicine. And, but I love the breakthrough session. I think it's an amazing adjunct to all these other things or even Western medicine. And the breakthrough session is so important to me because it's what changed my life. 
It's what allowed me to completely let go of my anxiety and to move forward and to become the healer that I am today, to start my own company, Mountain Mind Tricks. Like that's, that's because of the breakthrough session. Without that, there wouldn't be any of this. And so if you're interested in a breakthrough session to really overcome the blocks in your life, to let it all go, to really step into your light and be who you know you could be, if you want that to happen for you, just go to mountainmindtricks.com, go ahead and click that button, alternative mental health, scroll through there if it looks like something you want. Let's, let's schedule a discovery session. Let's just chat about it. Let's have a talk to make sure it's a good fit. So again, go to mountainmindtricks.com and click the alternative mental health button. I'm so excited for my guest today, Toby Geis. She's a body liberation coach and and I just, I, I, I love you, Toby. Ever since I met you in master practitioner class, it was just like, uh, I was drawn to you um, as a friend. And, and it's just been so great to, to be around you and be in touch and, and, and bring you on the podcast. I'm super excited about this. And, and today we're really going to dive deep into psychedelics, plant medicine, uh, DMT, those kinds of things, but really in, in a spiritual ceremonial way that's healing. And, and I'm curious, Toby, how did you get to ayahuasca? Like what, what happened in your life to bring you there and, and to meet, you know, the grandmother master plants? Mm. Yes. Yes. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you so much for your kind words and that, that beautiful introduction. And, you know, when we first met, I did not know your magic until a little bit later. You, you, you hid <laughs> like a good wizard does <laughs> behind your cape. And, uh, and this conversation, we had no idea that we were um, in the same playing field um, until much later. So I'm really excited to have this conversation with you as well. Um, so ayahuasca. So let's, let, me, let me just kind of backtrack a little bit and give you a little bit of the history um, to how I got here. So I um, started personal development work in 2004, and it was personal development. And I, I delineate personal development from spiritual development simply, although they can be one in the same, but many times in this world of, you know, we of personal development, those, those, those teachers, those, those gurus, those figureheads who are teaching this kind of stuff are very much about work hard, do it this way, do your morning practice, do your cold plunge, do your breath work. You know, they, they use a lot of the spiritual practices and techniques, but in service of this drive, this motivation, this intention, this achievement, this go, go, go. So that's the world that I was in um, for from 2004 to about 2015. Um, and I had hit a wall um, in my eating disorder. So I, I was put on a diet when I was nine years old and struggled with my weight and with my body image my entire life. And when I first got to my personal development work, I thought that my only problem was that I couldn't lose weight. <laughs> then, I, then I discovered that I had many more problems than that. Um, and so I got involved in this, this community that I was, I was deeply involved in that was similar to Landmark. Um, and I was, I was deeply involved for about 11 years. And then I just, I, this pushing, this drive, this going, this packing my schedule and, you know, so that I could achieve and be something, you know, and really it was all to 
love myself and I was miserable and I hit a wall on my eating disorder and I just, I couldn't do it anymore. I found that I was binging and purging like five to 10 times a day and I couldn't stop. And I, uh, walked into my personal development group and I I told them, I didn't know it was going to come out of my mouth. It was divine intervention. And I was, my, my group leader suggested that I see a therapist, thankfully, which changed everything. And then I had another divine intervention that brought me to San Diego to heal, which was the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, one of the best, the beginning actually of the best things, because now there's a lot of best things that happen. Um, and I was involved in 12 step and really worked on healing my eating disorder and had been involved in that for four, four and a half years. And again, hit another wall where it just wasn't working. And I was still really struggling with body image. And that was when I met, um, my guardian angel. Um, and I met this man, uh, at an event site set up. I was a corporate event planner and he was one of my vendors and we were talking about the event set up. Um, and then about five minutes into the conversation, he turned the topic spiritual. And then he asked me if I'd ever heard of ayahuasca. And I said, no, what is that? And he said, well, I have done 12 years of talk therapy. And in one weekend of ayahuasca, I got much, much more healing than I ever got in 12 years of talk therapy. And I took him by the shoulders and I said, give it to me. I have to have this. <laughs> and, and, um, then I kind of backpedaled because I was totally sober at that time in my life. And I didn't put any substances in, into my body. Um, and I had had a history of drug use and psychedelics when I was younger. Actually, my first drug was um, LSD when I was 14, <laughs> before I even smoked pot. Um, and I loved acid. I did a lot of it when I was in high school. Um, and by the time I got to college, I was done with it. That's how much I had already <laughs> used. Um, and I had, I had worked with mushrooms a little bit, but it was all um, recreationally. And I didn't ever get the spiritual benefits that I had no idea that were contained in, in psychedelics until I got to ayahuasca. So JR tells me about this and I then backpedaled. And for about six months, I did research and I read articles and I watched TV shows and movies, which there's terrible depictions out there. Nobody can actually depict the grandiosity that happens behind your eyelids. <laughs> you know, um, and in those realms when you're, when you're having this experience, um, I listen to podcasts. I talk to people. I just, I, I researched for six months. The, the, the thing that really finally tipped me over the edge was a podcast, um, with Tim Ferriss and two doctors who were talking about the use of ayahuasca and iboga, um, to help heal addiction and trauma. And hearing all the science behind it really convinced me to, okay, this is, this is safe. It's, I can use this to help me heal, to get to the next level. And it's not a drug. Um, it's not something that renders me unconscious. On the other hand, it's, it renders me very, very conscious is how I came to understand it. And when I finally said yes. So this was back in 2017. And so I said yes. And I went to my first weekend and after the first night, I was like, well, what was that? You know, it, first timer, first night, it wasn't, um, it was just kind of weird and I didn't really understand what happened. And then night two, I had a really big 
powerful experience where I had what I call an exorcism of my eating disorder. And I had a full body release of this, what I now understand was an entity living within me. Um, and it came out of my mouth like black smoke. I saw it leave and others in the room did too. I, I mean, I would have thought I was crazy before something like that, but it, that's how it happened for me. And then I was literally replaced with this beam of like golden light and this feeling of unconditional love throughout my entire body. It was incredible. It was incredible. Oh my gosh, Toby. Thank you so much for sharing and, and really going in depth in your story. And, and I just really appreciate everything that you said there. And, and, you know, there's things I can relate to some things that I don't understand. Right. But, but some of it is, um, that early, that early introduction to psychedelics, you know, I do resonate with that. You know, I, I think the first time I took mushrooms was in high school and, and totally recreational, you know, we did the, um, Robitussin type trips and things like that. And it was, it oh was, my God, um, you did that too. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, yeah, we would, we would go to the local, you know, CVS and, and steel course and, and, and really dive deep into, um, those Robitussin trips and there Robo was some, trip. yeah, exactly. And, and it's not, that's not, that's not what we're talking about here. What, what we're talking about is this huge healing event. And, and I love the way you, you described this as an exorcism because I, I think that's that is something I believe in. I, I like when I hear that story, I'm I'm one hundred percent convinced that's what happened. Like that's so true, and and I think there's so many of us walking around with with something like that, you know. And and sometimes the attachments are small, sometimes they're gigantic, like like an eating disorder, right? Like sometimes they're something that's really big. And and I would just love to hear your thoughts on this, like how where do these things come from? Like where, how do they attach themselves and how does, um, I'm going to refer to her as grandmother, but, um, um, maybe you have a different perspective. Um, you know, how does grandmother help us like release these entities? Mm. Wow. So many questions in, in that, in those questions. <laughs> Um, so for your listeners, um, ayahuasca is referred to as grandmother or mother or mother Aya. Um, and she is a very wise teacher and she knows exactly what we need. Um, <clears throat> which may not make sense, but, but everything has consciousness. Even a nail has consciousness. So the plants in the Amazon that's so ayahuasca and I'll get, I'll get to your, to your questions. Um, but ayahuasca comes from two different plants. There's the, the vine, which the, is the Banisteriopsis copy vine, um, and the chacruna leaf and the chacruna leaf actually has the DMT in it, but these are pretty banal by themselves, but bringing them together and brewing them together in a tea is what makes the psychoactive psychoactive elements. Um, and there is deep ancient wisdom in these plants. And there is a consciousness that, that is a very loving, healing and trickster <laughs> consciousness, um, that, that is, I don't know the word, um, that emanates from these plants, um, when we, when we ingest them and we can, 
when we are with this medicine, when this medicine is in our bodies, we can, we can talk to mother Aya. We can have conversations with her. We, we can feel her in our system. And for those who have experienced ayahuasca, this makes sense what I'm saying. Um, now entities, entities, um, in my understanding, and I am not an expert in this arena. I have dove a lot into this subject a lot more recently and entities can be a lot of different things. They can be thought forms, which means that when we have a thought and we have that same thought again and again and again, we are giving it power. So when we ruminate or have looping thoughts or obsessive thoughts, we are giving it so much power that it can take on a form of its own because thoughts are energy. Thoughts create energy and emotions create energy. So the same thing can be said about an emotion. So if you are sitting, stewing, ruminating, living in a certain emotion, it can take on a life of its own. And again, everything has consciousness. So these things can become part of you that can also be separate from you. So I'll speak about my own eating disorder experience. I, as you, as I said, went on my first diet at nine and then I discovered bulimia at 12 and I thought about food and my body over and over and over and over again, thousands and thousands of times a day, every single day since I was a child. So you can imagine how much power this thing grew inside of me. In so much so that it it took over, which I think could be a definition of what addiction is, because it had more power over than me than I had. Um, and in in twelve step recovery, the first thing you say is, "I am powerless over this substance," um, which I didn't want to say, but I didn't. My healing journey actually didn't begin until I surrendered, which is what the first step is all about. It's surrendering to know that this thing is greater than you. Um, because then I'm not at, at war with it. Then I'm not battling it. Then I'm not, I'm not using force against force, which doesn't work. It just creates more resistance. And as we know, Carl Jung said, what, what you resist persists. So this entity in my life, in my eating disorder came about as I would have these uncontrollable urges to eat and to binge, or I would have these, these thoughts and it would probably start there where the negative thoughts, um, you know, that would tell me you're fat, you're ugly, you know, you don't deserve to have a relationship or a boyfriend, or you're not good enough. All these limiting beliefs and these, this, this rhetoric that was going in my head that I, it had become so pervasive that it was just part of my normal thought process process. And I wasn't even aware of it. And I didn't know that that voice wasn't me. I had intertwined myself with it and thought that that was just me. I didn't know there was any separation. And then when I was in 12 step, I went to a, a weekend retreat where I learned how to separate those voices. And that was the first time I realized I have control over my thoughts. And I don't have to listen to those thoughts. And so I practiced that over and over again. And in meditation, I could start to hear the thoughts and become really aware of the thoughts as they were moving through my mind. And then I finally realized like, that's not me. I don't have to listen to that. So I started practicing that when that negative voice would come up, I would say, thank you for the information. I don't have to listen to you. Or sometimes I would fight back a little harder, like, no, that's not me. And then I would fill myself with love and light. 
And so that process is what brought me to the exorcism during ayahuasca because I had separated this thing enough from me knowing that that wasn't my true soul. That was not my truth. And the next morning (laughs) we were in, in talking circle processing and I said, I knew it wasn't me. I knew it wasn't me. It was separate from me. It was an entity. And that was my first real experience and understanding of an entity when it released. Um, and since then I've done, um, I've done some work with, with entities and working with other people. Um, entities can also come, they can be other energies that can attach to you, um, from, they can come from different realms. They can come from other people, but really it's not something necessarily to be scared of. They are things that we attract with our own thoughts and emotions. So when we are vibrating low at a low level, entities are like parasites and we're the host. And so they feed on low vibrational energies. So when we are in a low vibrational state, an entity can attach. Now, this is my belief that every human has had or has entities. They can actually move through and out of our bodies all the time as we are sometimes in a low vibration and sometimes in a high vibration. And my understanding of what happened with in my ayahuasca experience is that this, for me, this entity was living inside of me. It was very big. It was, it was very strongly attached and ayahuasca raised my, my, my vibration to such a level. My whole body was shaking. I was like a live wire. And then the shaman put me on the healing mat and she worked on me. And then that's when it released. And it was her vibration was so, she was vibrating so high when she even walked near me, my body started shaking 10 times even more than it had been shaking. And it was, it was like getting ready to release this thing. So vibration is frequency, right? So when we raise the frequency, you can think of it as even as like raising the temperature. Um, it's frequency and temperature are not the same, but that's just an, an analogy. But so we're raising the vib- the vibration, the frequency, um, and it no longer has something to feed on. So that's my understanding of, of entities and how to release them. And sometimes when they get so big, when we have given them so much power that they've taken on a life of their own, then we may need the help and support of a healer, a guide, a teacher, a shaman to help release them. Wow. That's, that's, that's an amazing explanation. And thank you. Thank you for really getting specific on, on what entities are. And, and, and I'm curious on, I guess, you know, I just want to be clear with the audience. Like I've never done ayahuasca, um, you know, I, I believe I've had natural uh, DMT experiences and, and with a near-death experience and out-of-body experiences from, from a very young age, I've had, you know, I had a near-death experience as a teenager. And right around that time, I had another out-of-body experience, which was really powerful. And it really, that one really, really confused me because it was so random and so um, Egyptian that there is, there, there's something Egyptian for me in the future. Um, but, but anyway, I wanted to ask, like, was there, was there, um, beings during this, uh, experience? Was there, was there a grandmother there? Was there any sort of elves? Like, was there sacred geometry? Like mm-hmm. it, I would love to hear a little bit about more, not just the entity piece, but like what was happening? Was it just your body or was it really visual? Mm. During ayahuasca? 
Yeah, I think specifically yeah. that that experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, great questions. And by the way, I hope we get to loop back around and hear more about your near death experience. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, okay, we'll good. do it. Okay, good. Um, okay, so ayahuasca. So I have I have sat with this medicine um, numerous times, and it's always different, and it's always different for each person. Again, because Mother Aya gives each person exactly what they need on their healing journey. And my first couple experiences, I had a lot of visuals. And when it started to come on, I could feel the warmth in my body. And then I could feel it moving through my body, almost like there was a roller coaster in my body. Um, I'm also very kinesthetic. So it, it, I think it probably also depends on how you process. I am much more physical kinesthetic in my body than, um, visual. For example, um, I don't, I'm not clairvoyant like I see things, although I am clairsentient and I, I experience spirit and communication from spirit through different sensations in my body, as well as claircognizant where I get downloads and I just have knowings of things. And that's another way that I communicate and connect with spirit. And so in my ayahuasca journeys, like I said, the first couple were very visual where I saw um, I did see a lot of fractals. I saw neon lights. I saw images that I've never seen in my life. And they were like literally like on the back of my eyelids. So, and that's how I always thought that if I was clairvoyant, like how I would see, and I have seen clairvoyantly, but it doesn't look like that. It's more like in my brain, in my third eye, like getting a visual, not on the back of my eyelids, but in ayahuasca, I closed my eyes and the, it was on the back of my eyelids. Like I was watching a movie of this like amazing, beautiful laser light show. Later, I came to understand that the images were just a distraction from the deeper work. So I can't remember the last time that I actually had visuals in ayahuasca. It was probably one of the earlier ceremonies um, because I'm here to do deep work. And I, and I come to the medicine to do deep work. And I don't need the distraction of the visuals unless they are going to be helpful on my journey. And... I'm coming to understand that now because I've wondered, oh, why did the visuals go away? But I, I, I now understand they were, they were, they were, they were fun, exciting at the beginning. And it's like my introduction to the medicine. It was like, wow, you know, and so much to talk about. But then I just, I, as I got more comfortable and more familiar with working with this medicine, I didn't need those types of visuals anymore. Um, but other messages have come to me in knowings or, or I do get visuals more in my third eye that are more instructional or give me messages about things that I, that I need to know that I need to work on. And that is also how she comes to us. So there's a lot of healing that takes place in the actual ceremony. And also she shows you what your work is in the 3d world. So when you embark on an ayahuasca journey, it is not a singular experience. It is more about the integration. It's both, but there's so much that happens in integration. And I can tell you, it took me probably three years to integrate my very first experience. So integration is extremely important. And so back to your question about elves and beings, um, that has not been there for me, but I have had many people who have had jaguars come to them and they literally would see jaguar, a jaguar outside of them circling their body, 
Um, I had a friend who had a Jaguar who was walking on him and then jumped inside of him. Um, and in that journey, several people saw the Jaguar. I didn't see the Jaguar, but, um, it was interesting. It's, it's kind of hard to answer that question again, because everybody has such different experiences. I can tell you that if you are resistant, if you are in denial, if there are things that you don't want to see or don't want to know about yourself, sometimes, um, and this is not a given, this is a sometimes, again, because it's a very individual experience, that Mother Aya can show you scary symbols. I have had friends talk about there were bugs all over their body or snakes. Um, I have never had an experience like that. But I think that she sometimes shows us or gives us these experience to wake us up and to get our attention. Um, and if you are in denial or there's a place that you're not willing to go, you might want to become aware of that before you sit with the medicine because she's going to show you. She's going she's gonna to show you what your work is in this world. Now, I'm not saying that to scare anyone, but just that she is a great truth teller. Um, also, the symbols that we get can sometimes be confusing. I said earlier that she's a trickster. I had an experience in one of my early journeys where before going into the ceremony, I had met somebody who I had a little crush on. And um, when I went into the journey, I, there was a, this, I had this experience where we were in a hot air balloon together and there were fireworks in the sky and all these brilliant colors. And it was an, it was amazing. And I came out of that interpreting that symbol to mean that, oh, this is my, this is my next boyfriend. We're meant to be together. Oh, he's my partner. And the following week I had a birthday party and he was invited and he came and I took him by the arm and in my mind, he was my boyfriend. He wasn't caught up to where I, <laughs> to where I was, but I was like, it was already a given for me. I had taken this concept and taken it very literally. And I was like, oh, he's meant to be my partner. So the next few months were pretty painful for me because he did not feel the same way. And I had attached myself to him because mother Aya had given me this idea. And I was like, I was so sure that this was truth. Well, it was a symbol. And I then came to understand that the lesson for me was how I lose myself, hence the hot air balloon. I lose my mind and lose myself in relationships. And I would I would lose this strong, independent woman and give myself over to a man, you know, wanting him to save me and love me in some way, shape or form. And the fireworks and all the things, the symbols became very clear to me after I got the message. It didn't need to be as painful as it was. I could have just taken the, the metaphor of the message and gotten it, but I, it was again, one of my early journeys and I took it very literally. Um, that was not the first time because sometimes I don't get the messages the first time. Um, but just to know that she can be a trickster and, um, to not always take the messages so seriously. So literally, um, yeah. And that's part of the integration is like, what was I shown and how do I integrate that into my life in a way that it feels best in flow and in integrity for me? Oh, I love that so much. And I think I always come back to 
you know, my mentor calls it the sacred question of like, what is the lesson here? And uh, I love that so much. I love that mm. story. And, and um, just to like, resonate a little bit with, with, I think my, my last out of body experience was so, I would say it was traumatic because it was so big and so large that it took me a long time. The integration was like almost a year long and I had no idea that's what happened. That's what was happening. I, I thought I was just going being a crazy person, honestly. I, I thought I was just insane. Um, and so it took this, it was a year of this integration. And I think that's where like, I really made leaps and bounds. And so I would agree with that so much. And, mm. and just to go back a little bit to um, my first near death experience was, um, you know, I was a teenager um, and like prime time for me, like partying, wrong crowd, just doing a ton of drugs. And, um, you know, that night we had Corsidin, which is kind of like a Robitussin type thing, and then a whole bunch of alcohol. And I was just mixing that and, and marijuana. And I remember I was at this party and it was just so loud. And like, you know how you're at the bar and it's like, all the voices like combined to make this static noise. It was kind of mm -hmm. like that. Right. And it was just like, okay, I got to go outside. Like I'm going to like throw up or something. And, um, when I went outside, you know, this is Western Washington, say January, December, and it's just like pouring rain. It's cold. It's probably like 40 degrees. Um, and I walk out through this person's backyard into the forest and I just collapsed and, and, um, you know, I didn't feel like I was dying or anything, but then it just went black. It was just nothing. And it was this overwhelming, peaceful, nothingness void. And, and, and it took me a lot, and, and I'm going to talk about the integration here, but, but for me, it was just like this first experience was just nothing. Like there was nothing but blackness. And, and I never really thought that was a near-death experience until I started reading about the research out there and uh, Raymond Moody's work and, and all those um, accounts that are collected and what really convinced me that I was a near death is that, you know, I was hanging out with the wrong crowd, with the wrong people. And the next day, literally the next day, I dropped all my friends. I started meditating. I started like, I never read a book in high school. I started reading like two or three books a week on mm. like Buddhism and meditation. And, and I went really deep into yoga and Tai Chi and Kung Fu and this stuff. So my whole life just completely changed overnight after that. And that's why I'm so convinced that was a near death. Um, and then shortly after this, I would say, gosh, I can't remember, maybe a year later, I was laying in my bed, like right after school, taking a nap. And the classic kind of buzz, buzzing came to, into my ears as in like, it sounds like really big bugs, but the buzzing got so intense that it like all of a sudden my whole body was buzzing. And then it got even more intense to where like, you know, I was kind of dreaming, but not kind of state. And it, it like, I was vibrating so much that my skin just ripped apart. And all of a sudden I woke up and I was in this dust storm in this gigantic dust storm. I couldn't see anything. I was kind of like fumbling forward and trying to like find my way. And, and through the dust, I saw these two, um, these two statues that were like these really tall, you know, Isis, Osiris, Egyptian statues. And they were holding axes, like an X, like don't enter here. And as I walked forward, those axes opened up and, and um, kind of this dropped, like like you know, like a, a door dropped into the ground and the sand started going down the staircase and it was like into this tomb. And I woke up and that was like, that was the first like out of, just completely out of body. I mean, it was more real than real. You'll hear people say that. Um, 
And that really confused me. I had no idea what that was, right? Of like, I thought it was a dream, but it definitely wasn't. Um, and I don't know if I've had other near-death experiences necessarily, but I mean, I've been in so many accidents and so many things have happened to me, snowboarding, surfing, firefighting, that it's mm-hmm. like, I should be dead like a hundred times, mm-hmm. I, like I, seriously. And um, And so what's really interesting is like, how I feel like I've actually gone into the past and protected myself in a lot of ways. Um, and so I, I guess I would love to hear like, and I want to go deeper into like my own out of body experience and compare a, kind of our notes to ayahuasca yeah. and talk about how DMT could be, well, we know it is endogenous. We know that. And and mm-hmm. I, I want to cite like a podcaster. Everybody go listen to like Aubrey Marcus. Um, he had this scientist on that was like really detailed. They just published a study like proving it, like we've known it, especially our crowd, the spirituality kind of the healer crowd knows this, but now it's like scientific fact in this study. And this is, this is actually a really big deal. Um, but I'm curious on your thoughts on like this, this near death out of body that I've been talking about. Mm. I want to guide you through natural wellness and holistic medicine, which means using products like essential oils, essential vibes, glutathione mouthwashes, or even reading books. There's so many products out there that can help us, supplements, essential oils. There's so many things about the doTERRA lines of essential oils that I use every day, like lemon to detox my body and help me hydrate, like on guard to give me that extra edge in my immune system with the pandemic going, uh, balance to keep me grounded and moving forward in my life. I use the oils every single day, morning, afternoon, night. One of the biggest things they help me with is sleep. I sleep so well because I'm, you know, I'll lay on the lavender, I'll lay on the balance. I'll feel so grounded and sleepy and it's lights out. And I know the wildland fire community just struggles so much with sleep, really the lack of it, right? On top of that, there's books. There's, I've written three major books for the wildland fire community and, and I want you to try them out, give them a read, get the ebook, get the paperback, whatever suits you. There's Overcome Anxiety Like a Hero, really teaches you how to get into a flow state. Awakened by Heart Fire is really the spiritual aspects of Wildland Fire. And the Heart Fire Anthology, the guided meditations, the Heart Fire Method will completely change your life. And of course, Six Minutes for Excellence. That is a guidebook for Wildland Firefighter Excellence, peak performance, mindset, all those things. So go to mountainmindtricks.com, check out the store. Check out essential oils, essential vibes. Uh, go to the publishing tab. Check out the books. Natural wellness is all about taking one step today that makes us 1% better. 1% better today, 1% better tomorrow, and 1% better the next day and the next day. One little habit adds up to moving an entire mountain with our health. And that's what I want to guide you through. The essential oils, essential vibes, books, supplements, whatever you need, I'm here for you. So just go ahead and go to mountainmindtricks.com and click on the shop and go to essential oils, essential vibes, or go to the publishing tab and and check out the books we've got. Yeah, it definitely sounds like a plant medicine journey and they can be one and the same. It's, It's traversing. So ayahuasca and other plant medicines are meant, well, 
can be used to show us what's possible in other realms of consciousness, in other dimensions, in other realities that are all around us that are available to us, but plant medicines help, can help it get us there. And there are some people like yourself who are more gifted in traversing other realms. And what I see this near death experience is it's not really a death. It's a stepping into another realm, another reality. It's a, it's an expansion of your consciousness. So in this 3d world, we have a, we have a, we have a consciousness. And when we, when we learn more, when we, when we just get the knowledge that there's other realms, other dimensions that can expand our consciousness. So there's a lot of different things that can expand our consciousness, but you stepping into these other realities is an expansion of your consciousness to know that, oh, there's this other reality. There's these other symbols. There's these, it's, I'm listening to a book on Audible that was written in 1970 um, called Seth Speaks. And it is a channel book. Um, the woman who wrote it, her name is Jane Roberts. And the entity or spirit she is channeling is named Seth. And so he comes through her body and he speaks. She's, she speaks his his words. And he is writing a book through her. And it's this, this book called Seth Speaks. And I am learning all about consciousness and different realities and different dimensions. And, and again, this book was written 50 years ago. Um, and this is the same thing that um, Abraham and Esther Hicks do. Esther is the woman and she channels a spirit named Abraham. And she Abraham speaks through her and teaches through her. And in that experience, the, the human, the, the, the women in these cases are getting the expansion of consciousness and all the knowledge as this entity, this spirit is speaking through them. So all that to say is I have a, a broader understanding of what you're talking about now is that there, the, the, the plant medicines, ayahuasca is just providing you, me, the listener is providing us with what we already have inside. And it is showing us that we actually have access to these other realities within us. And eventually I took a year, I've taken a year and nine months off of sitting with ayahuasca so that I could integrate. And also so that I could learn to work in these other dimensions, these other realities without the medicine. Now I haven't gone nearly as far as ayahuasca has taken me, although I have learned and I've, I've been able to expand my consciousness in ways that the medicine helped me. I see the medicine as a springboard, um, which is why integration is so important. And I've, I've known many people in these, um, medicine circles where they will go every month and they will just keep going for more medicine, but there's a lot of integration that needs to happen in what is it that this medicine is showing me and how do I now embody that? And some of the embodiment, yes, is the lessons that we need to do in the 3D. But the other embodiment is that we are magical. We are vast. We are all of those infinite dimensions and realities that we went to while on the medicine. That's not a hallucination. That is an opportunity for us to be able to go there again. 
in sobriety, in daily life. And what you experienced in your quote unquote near death experience, what I see that is as a stepping into, it's like opening a door and stepping into a different dimension, into a different reality. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's so interesting because, um, it, it took me, I was really kind of freaked out by it. The first one that actually like more near death experience, because there was nothing, there was just blackness. And it was like, that's what's on the other side. But it was like, no, no, I really understand now that, that, um, one, it was, it was more so the void. There's a space in the universe that is nothing and where creation has started. And it's also a place where we can like really let go of things, you know, through, through the spirit element. And, and, and to me, it was like this, it was almost like this pause reset button. And all of a sudden I had all these brand new ways of seeing things and it was so beautiful, so powerful. Um, and so I really feel like, um, you know, it was that Kiave process in in Mm. some, my own way. Um, so powerful. Mm. And and I want to get back to what you said earlier about how this is not a hallucination. And I think a lot of people think, well, you're on drugs, like all this crazy stuff. No, no, no. Like when we start looking at Rick Strassman's work and the, the, um, DMT, the spirit molecule, what's so interesting is I heard him on a podcast recently talking about how, you know, the, the host asked him, why did you stop? Why did you stop the study? And he said, I'm going to be really honest here. And, and Rick said, basically the accounts and how similar they were and how much the beings were coming into the people's lives during the journeys. And like the fact that there was beings on the other side was really, really starting to freak me out. (laughs) And he said, I I couldn't, I couldn't handle that as the researcher anymore. And, and it's interesting now he's working on this whole piece of, of connecting um, all of the biblical um, old Testament stuff to actual DMT beings. And, and that Mm. work, you know, really beautiful uh, Rick Strassman, of course, all of his work for people don't know. Um, just amazing stuff. And, and I guess what I want to tie this into is, is the, like you said, our ability to access this and using the plants. Like, I guess my biggest question for you is, is really like, I think my audience is pretty familiar with the, what, what a breakthrough session is, you know, mental, emotional release. I would love to hear your, your ideas on how much of an ayahuasca sitting is similar to a breakthrough session as far as release. And also, um, you know, like we know as practitioners, the breakthrough session is like step one. And then it's like six months of like, you got to do the work. You got to sit down and do it. Um, and I'm curious, like, how would you compare those two things? That's such an interesting question, Thomas, because the first time that I truly experienced, well, not truly, but when we were in our master practitioner training um, and we were learning how to do mental and emotional release, I had already experienced a breakthrough session. Um, but in this particular sitting, when we were releasing the emotions, when we got to fear, I had a hard time releasing it and we were locating it on the timeline and it was like, okay, 63 lifetimes ago. Nope. Still not releasing 115 lifetimes ago. I kept going back and back. And then finally a thousand sixty-seven lifetimes ago was the root cause. And when it released from my body, my whole body started shaking my jaw was chattering uncontrollably, just like what happens to me in ayahuasca. And 
it was wild. And I, I think I had a, a mini ayahuasca flashback in the moment as well. <laughs> I don't think you and I have ever spoken about that. So I find it very interesting that you are comparing the two of these. Um, because it can be, the release process can be similar. I don't really, um, I guess I'm just kind of thinking about that, like the, the processing of that. So it's, I guess, I guess the similarity is that it is a release. So I look at ayahuasca as a release tool amongst many other things that it does. One of the biggest things is release. So releasing trapped energies, um, releasing entities, which are trapped energies, releasing pains in the body, um, releasing stagnation, releasing, you know, thoughts that need to go, releasing, um, pains from the ancestral lineage. Yeah. So that's, that's a place where it's similar to the breakthrough session is that in the breakthrough session, we are tracking back to what is the root cause of the emotion, whether it's in this lifetime or whether it's passed down through the lineage or whether it's in a past life. And I find that part of the mental and emotional release process really important in locating what the root cause of that emotion is. Because when people have a conscious awareness of that, I think that it helps to have a deeper release. So me um, knowing that the root cause of my fear was from 1,067 lifetimes ago. I didn't have to know what happened in that lifetime, but it was just the knowing of that was the root cause. And then the release was like all the way through the lines of all my lifetimes up until the present moment. And I've experienced this something very similar in ayahuasca where I didn't necessarily know like where it was coming from, but I have had experiences where my whole body was shaking. I do a lot of shaking in, in ayahuasca because I, again, I'm very kinesthetic. And sometimes the shaking is shaking off trauma, just like a dog, you know, shakes off an emotion. I have shaken off a lot of trauma in this life. And then sometimes it's been ancestral. And I remember a very specific ayahuasca ceremony where um, somebody else was in the center on the healing mat doing their work. And then I, my whole body started shaking and then I had a knowing, oh, he was my brother in a past life and the work that he's doing on the healing mat is also healing me. And then my body started working with his and then together we were working together on different sides of the room, but energetically we were working together to heal and clean up the lineage, the, the ancestral lines, the, um, and, and I, I think I made sense of it afterwards and it doesn't even matter what exactly we were cleaning up, but I got that it probably was addiction, unconsciousness, denial, negativity, um, and that we were creating a new pathway. And I've done similar in breakthrough sessions. So that's, that's, that's my understanding. What about you? What do you, what do you think? Oh, wow. This is so powerful. Yeah. Thank you so much for, I loved, I love your answer and, and I really appreciate that. And and I think I've had, um, a couple clients that are like, you know, energetic people that are, that are pretty sensitive. And when we work together, it's completely different than just doing MER because it's like, okay, we're, there's a whole bunch of, you know, the guides show up, there is divine light along with the timeline therapy stuff going on. And so 
in that moment, I have had clients say it's when you take me through a guided meditation, it's like, it's psychedelic for me. And, and this is how I am when I go into a meditation in the morning, it's literally like taking mushrooms. Um, and, and I have to, like, I have to do a lot of work to like stay on earth. It's, it's like, that's, that's just who I am. And so I do think that there's this, um, there's this relationship. And I think the key here is, is like you said, the release. And, and I think it's just a different modality of release. And, and, you know, I've seen people like, well, I would say like the biggest one for me, um, personally, like you said, master practitioner, when we did our breakthrough sessions is like, I got a full body rash from like detoxing. Right. And that's, that's like really interesting that Mm. it's, it's so embedded in the body that there's a physical manifestation and, 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 mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, I think the release, like you said, it's just a different way. And the integration is like the most important. And, and that's just, that's my thought on all that. And I guess my, like on the same vein, I wanted to ask you on like, what is ayahuasca doing physically in that? Is it, is it detoxing the body? Are we, you know, is the purging having an effect on our organs in a good way? Or is this kind of like, is it kind of hard on the body for a little bit or, um, like what are some of the risks with ayahuasca and that stuff? And, 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 um, from my understanding, this is just from like me looking on the internet. Right. So I don't know, but it's kind of, there is this major detox of the body and, um, it actually like is antiviral, antiparasitic, mm-hmm. but I want to get some of those thoughts from you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to back up and I want to come back to this, um, if that's okay, because yeah, there's something that you said that I wanted to respond to. And it was you as a space holder and that in your meditations, you go to a, a, you know, for lack of a better term, a psychedelic space, or you, you travel dimensions and you work in other realities in your meditation. And therefore as a space holder, you hold a space where people go to that realm as well. And that doesn't happen in every breakthrough session and everybody customizes their breakthrough sessions. And it's there, a lot of it is about who is the facilitator who is the the guide and who is holding space. So the more work that you do, the deeper container you are able to hold for your clients, for your participants. And I think that's so beautiful that people have, you know, otherworldly psychedelic experiences and they see how vast and expansive they are because that is the space that you hold because of who you are and the container that, that you are. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for saying that. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to make the connection for you if you weren't aware and also also for the audience because it's it's important who you choose to work with, whether that's a coach, whether that's a um, a ceremony or psychedelics space holder or facilitator, like who you choose to work with is very important. And we're all drawn to to certain facilitators for a reason. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. important. I, I totally agree. And thank you. Yeah. I really, really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, of course. Okay. So back to your question and, and I'm not a doctor and I'm not an expert. I only know from my own experience and from my studies with, um, ayahuasca that I think of it, this is my interpretation, but I think of ayahuasca as the master healer and yes, it can be very healing. Um, internally, externally, in, in so many ways, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically. And I, it also is not an easy, an easy way. And I know a lot of people who are like, no, it's not for me. I don't want to, I don't want it to be that hard. Um, 
which is fine. It's not for everybody. And when you think about hard, I guess that's an interpretation because it's like you could do, um, I think like therapy is a lot harder because you're trying to use the conscious mind to, (laughs) when I think when we're trying to use the conscious mind to solve a problem, to work through our baggage, to achieve our goals, it's like climbing up a mountain when there's a mudslide. It's like, why not go into the unconscious mind? And the unconscious mind is, is, you know, we, we use that word unconscious mind, but it's very conscious. And there's the super conscious connected to the unconscious. There's the unconscious is the doorway to all of the other dimensions in our pineal gland, which has the DMT in it, which is, you know, what is in ayahuasca. So the ayahuasca is interacting with our pineal gland and creating those doorways to those other dimensions and realities. Um, so to the, to the healing, I mean, uh, the healing again, looks different for a lot of people. And some people come out of it and they're like, Oh, I had a bad experience. And just like you were saying, your, your near death experience was traumatic and you didn't know how to integrate it for a while. Well, I think things are traumatic when we label them as such and things are bad experiences when we label them as such. So we need to be careful about the labels that we place on things because everything, everything is a learning experience. So if we can look at things as what am I, why was it presented this way and what am I to learn from it? It's a different lens. Um, and to, to the healing. Yeah. I mean, I, I've seen for me personally, I used to have back pain from the time I was 13, um, until ayahuasca. And I didn't realize it until a couple months later that I didn't have back pain anymore. I used to wake up again from the time I was a teenager in mornings, I would wake up crying. My back would hurt so bad and I didn't know what it was. And now I understand that physical maladies first start in the spiritual, mental, or emotional body before they show up in the physical. So if we've got emotions that we're not processing, if we've got trauma, if we've got, you know, negative ruminating thoughts, things that we're not dealing with or, you know, healing and releasing, they're going to show up in the physical body. Period. They just will. That's like, it's, it's a trickle down effect. So ayahuasca for me healed my back pain because it was connected to my eating disorder and my self-hatred, which I didn't have anymore. And it's not always a magic bullet for people either. It's, it's, it's not a guarantee that like, oh, your cancer is going to be healed because that's, that's not the case. Um, it does have, it can, it absolutely could happen because everything is possible. And that's what ayahuasca has taught me is everything is possible. So I don't know how else to speak to that as a, as a healing mechanism. I just know that it is absolutely possible to heal physically and it can be hard because there is, there is purging and purging can happen in a lot of ways. And that's the first thing that everybody says about ayahuasca. Oh, did you throw up? I can't tell you how many times I've gotten that question. (laughs) (laughs) I try not to roll my eyes because I know that everybody is coming sincerely with that question because a lot of people are afraid of that aspect of it, which is such a small, small part and not everybody even throws up. And when we do, we bless it because it's releasing something from our body that we need to get rid of. It's like, thank God that this medicine went into my body with surgical precision and released that thing that happened to me when I was seven years old from my colon, right? Like 
that's what could be releasing from our body when we're throwing up or when we're, you know, when, or when it's coming out the other end. So we bless it. We thank it for, for, for having that wisdom to release whatever was in our body. And, you know, in my experience, and again, it's different for everyone and it's different every time. My purging has been very small, very minimal, um, and it's just been a blip on the radar. And it's like such a tiny, tiny part of the whole experience. And purging can happen in many ways. Throwing up, diarrhea, gas, shaking, yawning. Ugh, I actually hate yawning more than any of the ways of purging because I'll have these yawning fits where I'll yawn for like an hour straight and tears are coming out of my eyes. And I'm like, oh my God, please make it stop. <laughs> <laughs> you know, crying, laughing, um, you know, sweating. Any way that there's a release that can happen in the body can happen through ayahuasca. So the last couple of years I had to quit coffee because coffee was like this liquid shot of anxiety for me. Like my heart would race. I could focus intently, but only for a couple hours and I would crash super hard. And my sleep was so off. I mean, I would be wandering the universe until, I don't know, three in the morning before I finally got to sleep. And then I had to get back out at six or seven in the morning. And I was groggy, I was tired. It just wasn't working for me. It's not that I was mad at coffee, I was just really disappointed. And so I ended up quitting coffee. And I've been searching for an alternative for a long time. And that's when I came across Mudwater. Mudwater is this amazing, amazing tea. It's got masala chai in it, it's got cacao, lion's mane, cordyceps, chaga, reishi, cinnamon, turmeric, and Himalayan sea salt. And what's so amazing is that you feel the same energy, that same burst that you get from coffee, but it sustains all day. There's no crash, there's no headache, there's no dehydration. It's just this beautiful experience. And so yeah, I'm gonna say it, fuck your coffee. You gotta switch over to mud water because mud water will change your life. There's immune boosting properties, helps you focus with the lion's mane. There's one seventh of the caffeine compared to coffee. And so there's no jitters, there's no anxiety. It's just this beautiful experience with beautiful plants. So fuck your coffee. So if you want to try out Mudwater, I want you to go to mountainmindtricks.com slash mudwater or go to the shop and click on the button. Again, that's mountainmindtricks.com slash mudwater. So one of my favorite things about the Mudwater company is that they donate a percentage of their profits to the MAPS Institute. It's an organization that develops medical, legal, and cultural context for people to benefit from the careful uses of psychedelics. So the you know, MDMA psychedelic-assisted therapy phase three trials, this is MAPS. And that's so important because there's been some amazing breakthroughs in the research with veterans and PTSD and uh, depression and all sorts of amazing things that they're doing. It's so important to support this company. Right. Absolutely. Oh, it's so powerful. I love that. Yeah. So, so, um, did you have anything else or can I ask another question? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So I want to go back to, to the shaking because I, I, I really can't remember the name of this modality, but there's a whole modality for shaking through trauma. And, mm-hmm. and one of my friends works with that and it's, it's mm-hmm. really interesting. And, and what's so cool is, is, um, as you're speaking about this, I, 
um, you know, when I work with my highest self and I bring it inside my body and, and release something I'm working on, there's definitely a shaking. And sometimes usually it's in the lower back is where it starts and kind of that like Kundalini shaking, but it was, it's sometimes it's like really specific and like an exact muscle or somewhere in the body that just that shakes. And it's so interesting that I guess I, I knew this, but I haven't really like put it together that, that no, that's actually something leaving your body. Like that's actually yeah. a release and it's so, so powerful. Um, I think releasing the energy and this is something I've learned through, you know, I I've done definitely over 20 breakthrough sessions now. So not a ton, but definitely got a couple under my belt. And, and I think there's, there's the mental emotional stuff, which is really important but if we if we don't clean up the spiritual the energetic body like that's where the real work is at and that's that's something that i think um these plant medicines can really really take mm-hmm. care of isn't it mhm oh yeah absolutely absolutely and and the thing is is i think that we have such a desire as humans to we rely so much especially in in the US, we rely so much on that left brain, that analytical brain and having to know like, well, how do I know when I'm cleaning up my spiritual body and the energy? And how do I know that that's different from the, the mental and emotional? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Just there's a release that's happening. Beautiful. Just trust, trust the, the process, trust the plant, the medicine, trust your body. And when we, when we clear things out, when we remove things energetically, and this is what Reiki does and other types of energy healing, it removes the blocks energetically so that the body can then heal because the body has its own innate wisdom. The body is a healing mechanism. It is a self-healing mechanism. And Western medicine more and more is run by the pharmaceutical companies. So now we have pills for everything. So what's happening is we have a physical malady, we have a disease, we have a um, an illness. And then we use a pill to suppress it. And it's like putting a bandaid on a bullet wound. Well, it's just going to fester in there because it's not actually healing or it's just going to get pushed down in the body and it's not actually healed. It just gets pushed down, pushed down. So if you have taken a lot of medications or pharmaceuticals in your life, there may be all these things you, you may think that you're in good health, but there may be all these, um, these energies suppressed in your body, in your, they, they, it could be in your physical body, in your cellular structure, in your central nervous system, um, and in your energetic body. So when you do things like ayahuasca, which is a very, very powerful cleaning tool, and even it's called limpia, limpia, limpia is, um, is, is sung in the Icaros, which in, um, South America there, they are the, the sacred songs that are sung in the medicine to ignite different energies, different, um, for different intentions, but limpia means cleaning. And you'll hear that sung in a lot of the Icaros because ayahuasca cleans you out. It cleans that spiritual body and it can clean out the, the energies and it can clean out all the other illnesses that are still like suppressed in your body so that you can come out a clean vessel. And what can happen is that uh, here's the analogy I like to use. So I use the, the, the bandaid on a bullet wound. Well, our bodies can live, if you get shot and you have a bullet in your flesh, your body can live with that. So the tissue, the muscles, the skin can grow around that metal and 
your body can live with that. And you may seem in fine health, but we know that there's a piece of metal lodged in our bodies that shouldn't be there. That's not part of the natural body. Well, say you go do surgery and you extract that bullet. Well, the body is probably going to freak out initially. Like, oh my God, you took out a part of me. And then the body has to learn to recalibrate without that bullet in it. So that can happen. Like you were saying, Thomas, when you got your rash after your breakthrough session, your body is trying to figure out what's what, because it was so used to the negative emotions, the limiting beliefs, those, those lower vibrational energies was actually part of the, the quote unquote natural ecosystem of the body. So when you have a cleaning mechanism, whether it's a breakthrough session or ayahuasca or some other energetic release, the body can at first kind of maybe go into some kind of shock like what just happened, that was who we were. That was our identity. When we know that depression is not our true identity, for example, or, or that illness is not our true identity, but the body needs time to recalibrate and reconnect with it, a new identity of here's what health actually looks like. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I guess when I look back at like, um, my third, like really big out of body experience, you know, which we've talked off uh, about off air, um, you know, when I was seeing basically the structure of the universe and this consciousness and, and, um, going through the stars and the galaxies, when I came back from that, it was so shocking. Like I was, um, you know, I had this like relapsing fever stuff going on. I had like these really weird dilated pupils. Like, I mean, my body was a complete mess for like, until I started going to acupuncture and really like, like basically my nervous system got fried from this experience and it was shocking. And I think because I released such a major piece of grief that was like, mm. I mean, I think that grief was so overwhelming for me. I didn't really understand what was happening. And when that was gone, I, I like, you're really helping me kind of have a healing here of like, that was just like my body in shock from all of that shit was gone yes. um, from this experience. And it was, it was really hard. It was really hard, yeah. but it was so powerful. So thank you for that explanation. That yes. really means a lot. If, if I could say something else about this, um, I'm learning a lot about this lately about, um, I work with, um, other plant medicines as well. And I've had experiences recently where, um, I work with a, a medicine called Kana that is a succulent from South Africa. And I do these journeys monthly, once a month, and my consciousness is expanding at a pretty fast rate. And I've noticed that it's taking my body more time to catch up to the expansion of my consciousness. Um, which makes sense because it's physical, right? It's dense, it's matter which is, is matter is, is a much slower vibration than consciousness, which moves faster than the speed of light. So what, what you're talking about, Thomas, about, you know, your consciousness traversed to all these other dimensions and galaxies and, um, realities. And then when it came back into that slow vibrating physical body, it was like, whoa, it's kind of like putting an elephant into like a little box, <laughs> right? Like, right, right. So your body's like, what the heck? 
So I have a friend who's, who's going through something similar and she's got a lot of pain in her body and her body is totally restructuring to catch up with her consciousness. And she's also experiencing a physical expansion of her chest as her heart cavity is expanding. Wow. That's so powerful. Yes. And it's painful, but it doesn't have to be. I don't know. I think that it's all about beliefs. It's all about beliefs. So beliefs are actually much stronger than we know them to be. Even, even Thomas, how you and I were taught in, you know, our, our NLP training, I'm starting to understand that like literally our beliefs are the fabric of our realities, the fabric of our, you know, universe of our understanding. So if we believe that we can travel to different dimensions and realities, we can, we can go there. Yep. Right. So if we believe that it's going to be hard and it's going to be painful and it's going to be traumatic to, you know, have our consciousness expand and travel and then come back into the body, then it's going to be. But if we believe that it can be smooth, that it can be easy, that our bodies can easily and effortlessly and seamlessly, fluidly catch up, then it can be. And there's probably ways that in the in in our 3D physical reality that we can do other things to support the body, such as acupuncture and herbs. And there's all these other, you know, probably infrared saunas and all these other um, medicines and technologies and biohacking tools, right. Can also help the physical body. Yeah. It's so true. So true. So powerful. And, and, um, yeah, I think, gosh, we, we've covered so much and, and I just want to, um, I guess with that, the beliefs, I think I believe this as well is that our beliefs are literally the fabric of our reality and what we experience. And it's so amazing how powerful the mind and the body connection is. I think this is something that mm-hmm. has really like every day it's reinforced and it's still like, are you sure it's that strong? Like it's literally what you think happens inside your body. Like, yes, like you can go turn a dial and turn your immune system up. You can yes. turn your cholesterol down. You can turn your metabolism up. It's like your mind. Yes. Can absolutely do that stuff. And, and, um, so it, it just, every, that's a lesson I'm working through is like the mind body connection. I know it's there. I know it's strong, but like how, how far can we push that? And, and I think it's, it's pretty beyond what we can imagine. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's huge. Um, and, and I guess I wanted to, you know, kind of wrap up here. I know, I know we're, we're kind of pushing our time. Um, but I wanted to say that, you know, psychedelics and plant medicines, they're super important and, and like they're an invaluable tool and they're not for everybody. And, mm-hmm. and I just want to like caution listeners of like, you really need to make sure it's right for you at the right time. And of course, we've all heard the set setting, um, having a guide, all those things are super, super important. Um, and if you could just hit on that, just, just real quickly for us from your perspective, like yes. it's not for everybody. And it's really important that we're, we're, we're conscious of what we're doing before we go into a ceremony. Absolutely. Thank you for saying that. It is not for everybody. And everybody who I know who has sat with ayahuasca says that they heard the call. Everybody talks about, oh, I had a call. She called me. I had a calling. So if it's meant for you, you will have a desire and that desire will repeat and you will, you will have, the desire will strengthen and that will guide you. So this is about trusting yourself, trusting your gut, and trusting that that desire is one of the 
the tool, the, the points on our compass, our internal compass that guides us towards what is meant for us or what is best for us or, or, or a direction that we could choose to go where spirit is guiding us. So trust yourself and your gut. And if you're curious about it, have conversations. And if it's a turnoff for you, then you know that that's not a right thing for you. It's, it's literally that simple. Your body and your soul knows what is best for you. And only you know what is right for you. The other thing is we talked about it a little earlier is having an affinity for your facilitator, for your guide. And there's a lot of people out there who are doing plant medicines, um, some more experienced than others, some way more experienced than others who are facilitating. So just make sure that whoever you are working with, uh, you trust and you know them in some regard. Now, if you're, and you don't have to go to South America. So many people think that you have to go to, to Peru or to Costa Rica or, or, you know, somewhere in Brazil to do ayahuasca. And that's just not the case. It is in Southern California. It's everywhere. It's actually all over the country. And I'm familiar with, with, um, shamans who travel the country. I know a shaman who comes from Brazil and several times a year, he will travel to different States in the U S um, doing ceremonies. So it is available, um, in the U S very prevalently. And you don't have to go to Mexico or somewhere else where they don't speak English if that is not of your comfort level. And of course, if you want to have the more indigenous experience, you can absolutely do that. Um, and there's plenty of places in the U S just make sure that you know who know enough about your facilitator. You feel comfortable with your facilitator or you have a friend that, that can vouch for that facilitator. That is a really, really important piece. And with ayahuasca specifically, Ayahuasca, um, this, you know, I try not to say this is the way it has to be, you know, because I want everybody to be able to make your own decision. But with ayahuasca, I'm going to say this very directly. Do not ever sit with ayahuasca without a shaman guiding you, a legitimate shaman. They don't have to be an indigenous shaman from South America. They can be American, but make sure that they have trained in a deep, true shamanic lineage. Because I know people who have, oh, I got a hold of some ayahuasca and we're going to do a ceremony at my house this weekend. No, 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 no. That is dangerous because ayahuasca is a very powerful medicine and must be administered by people who have a lot of experience with it and have worked with it many, many, many times to understand its depth and its power and how to use it correctly. That's yeah. So true. So true. I, I love this. And, and, um, you know, I just want to, I want to wrap up here because I want to be respectful of your time and, and thank you so much for, um, for clarifying all that for us. And, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, are you, are you accepting clients right now? Like where can people find you? Where can they, like, who are you, um, wanting to attract into your practice? Like where can people get a hold of you if they want to work with you? Yes. Thank you. Well, my website is TG healing works with an S.com. Um, you can email me at Toby at TG healing works.com. That's T O B E Y. Um, and I work with 
I like to work with people who are already on a spiritual path or they're new on their spiritual path and they're very curious. Um, people who have blocks that, that other modalities, other methods haven't worked. People who really want to heal their trauma, people who have a desire to really do something big in their lives and on the planet. Uh, people who have a purpose or a passion who are really seeking. I really love to work with seekers. And I also love to help people who are just starting to realize that they are intuitive or have some psychic abilities, but they don't necessarily know how to open them or tap into them. That is one of my favorite groups of people to work with is to help them connect more and open their intuition and step fully into their gifts. Oh, I love that so much. So powerful. And all that stuff's going to be in the show notes. And, and of course, you know, you're a master practitioner just like me and, and, and you have a ton of experience and just an amazing, amazing practitioner. So mm, for people listening, like reach out, reach out to Toby. Um, she's going to help you. And, and, um, you know, I hope this was helpful for the listeners to, ex you know, hear us talk about in a deeper way, what psychedelics or what plant medicines can do for you, because it's, it's really important. And, and I think this is becoming a global phenomenon of really exploring our consciousness. If it's meditation or ayahuasca or, um, you know, the magic mushroom or, or whatever it is, whatever we're using, it's really important right now on this planet. And uh, I, I think what's so powerful about this conversation, Toby, is that we've really brought in sacred ancestry into the modern world through this conversation. So I want to thank you for that. And uh, please reach out to Toby. And thank you so much for this amazing conversation. Thank you so much, Thomas. <laughs>